ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, it's time for the MGPT Top 5 at 5. Today, our Top 5 at 5 takes us down the road of TV moms for Mother's Day. How was uh, Mother's Day yesterday? Now, what kind of Mother's Day did you spend, Hunter Brody? What did you do? Well, what... When I went to my mom's house, we did the social distancing on the front lawn. We had some lawn chairs. We hung out. We just talked. It was a nice day. So, you know, we went with the social distancing out on the front lawn trick. So you basically had, like, seats sitting, like, six to eight feet apart from each other? Yeah, exactly. That's not bad. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, my mom and I, we did a little uh, video uh, chat yesterday. That was uh, basically my, my, my mother went to my sister's house. Uh, but I think they, like, my mom sat out on the porch and talked to a screen. Okay. Yeah. Is that what, is that the method that she's been utilizing over the last, uh... My mom is, uh, she has basically no contact with humans. She will not leave the house. She's very scared to leave the house. I mean, she's older and stuff, but, uh, you know, I would say older. My, my mom's a very hip, like, mid-60s, I guess. Like, if you saw her, you would think she's maybe in, like, her okay. early 50s. Okay, well, good for her. Yeah. But, yeah, no, my my grandma makes no sense. She's afraid to go anywhere, but yet she's very welcome. Oh, why don't you come over? It's like, well, you, you don't want to go out, but you're, hey, come on. Yeah, come well, on over. It was, it was uh, you know, and, and uh, we basically yesterday, I made, I don't know if you saw my IG Instagram. I had that grill up going big time yesterday. I could have fed the whole neighborhood. Why didn't you? Over, have some IP, you know. I, I, watch him UFC. Well, that was Saturday. This was yesterday. I was in struggle mode yesterday from, from Saturday. I was struggling yesterday, big time. All right, DMGPT Top 5 at 5, brought to you by East Coast Roofing Siding Windows, serving all of South Jersey. If you call, they'll show up. Visit them online at eastcoastroofing.com. Today, it's our Top 5 Mother's Day TV moms, Peter. MG, your mother is a wonderful lady. I've met her before, and uh, God bless her, and happy Mother's Day a day later to all the moms out there. I would have, my mom, as you know, has passed away, but I would have loved to have heard from my mom on Mother's Day. Uh, instead, I uh, put something up on Facebook uh, honoring her, and, uh, and there you go. Yes, uh, and I know that uh, Mother's Day for uh, everybody out there was a little different yesterday, whether or not, you know, you were able to see mom in person. I, I, I have seen people posting like, you know, it's the first time I've seen my mom since March. You know, people have been really keeping to the social distancing where they haven't. My mom was over at my house like recently, but she sat out. In the, we sat out in the porch. So she was outside and we were all outside. We were kind of separated and stuff. But uh, happy Mother's Day to the moms out there. Uh, so let's get into the MGPT Top 5 at 5 today. It is our Top 5 TV Moms. Now, Hunter Brody says he has a wild card on this list that he thinks that you and I might rip him for. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear who that is. I mean, I did uh, Top 5 TV Moms, and then in my honorable mentions, I have another five TV Moms, and then I even went a step further because you could do Top 5 Mothers-in-Law. They're still mothers, you know, so I have them in there, too. I, I have 15 names. Oh, wow. 15 names to PT. All right. Let's get PT number five. My number five is a classic TV mom that really, without her, you don't have the series, and that's Peg Bundy. Katie Seagal on Married with Children for 11 seasons, 87 to 97. As great as Ed O'Neill was as Al Bundy, 
he could never really shine if he didn't have Peg Bundy with lines like, men are such idiots, and I married their king. You know, except for the kids and you being here, this is like a second honeymoon. <laughs> and things like, oh, Al, I never wanted your life. I just took it because it was there. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. Uh, it's just what every married woman wants. Someone besides her husband to sleep with. <laughs> it's great. She got all the good one-liners and, you know, the way she carried herself. Peg Bundy, that's my number five. Five. Everybody loves Raymond. Marie, how about that? Now, that's one of my favorite shows. I don't throw it in there because it's not top five. But when I catch it, especially when it used to be on TBS, uh, it's hilarious. I mean, I love how much Raymond gets in trouble. The, the older brother with the deep voice. The whole show just cracks me the hell up. I love it. But she's number five on my list. I don't know that I've ever seen an episode from start to finish of Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, it's great. It's great. I'm with you, Hunter. That's in my honorable oh. mention. She's a mother-in-law, but uh, Doris Roberts, that played Marie Barone, was just outstanding in that role. In fact, you know, Deborah was really the, the mother, but uh, Doris Roberts, the mother-in-law, got all the good lines. All right. My number five is uh, Maggie Seaver from uh, Growing Pains. Pete Thompson will remember that. Probably not you so much. Maggie Seaver, a mother who goes back to work. She's a journalist. Uh, she's married to Jason Seaver, three children. Uh, they have a fourth that comes. She's a hardworking lady. She loves her children, but she then begins to focus on her career as the children uh, all start growing up, hence growing pains as her trying to manage work with the kids and them growing up and having to focus on her career. Uh, but I always really, first off, I really liked it. I don't know how it came up yesterday. Uh, I was talking about Kirk Cameron, and then when we decided that this was going to be the topic, and I said, Maggie Seaver was like the first TV mom that popped into my head. And as I put my list together, I had some others that I liked more than her. But I always respected Maggie Seaver as a journalist TV mom. She gets extra credit for that. Oh, I like that. And I like that you keep highlighting, you know, that she's a working mom and a professional mom and all those things. Because my number four was probably the first of that category. And that's. Bonnie Franklin is Anne Romano in One Day at a Time. From 1975 to 1984, she played the divorced mother of two, raising two teenage daughters in Indianapolis. It was pretty revolutionary at the time, a Norman Lear sitcom, so taped before a live studio audience. And yeah, you had Schneider, the building superintendent, who gave away the unwanted advice most of the time. But uh, And maybe I was also interested in the two teenage daughters. But Bonnie Franklin as Anne Romano was... Really revolutionary for the time. First of all, you didn't see a divorced mother on TV. And secondly, you didn't see her having success or the trials and tribulations. So that's my number four. My number four is Gloria from Modern Family. I think it's a nice item. Uh, I think she's funny. The accent gets me going sometimes. Like, all right, yeah, you can keep talking. Keep talking. I like listening to this accent. So for me, it's nice and simple. Gloria, big fan of her work. I think she's a fantastic uh, actress. Uh, I don't know that show at all, but I'm digging how you explained it. You don't know who Gloria is from Modern Family? I, I No, I've never heard of the show. All right, I'll send oh, you a up. Modern Family blew up. She blew up. Yeah, it's a big show. All right. Uh, number four for me, uh, I'm going with Claire Huxtable from The Cosby Show, also a working uh, professional there, PT. She's an attorney, dedicated lawyer, proud mother of five. 
uh, her relationship with uh, Cliff, but she was kind of like the TV mom of all TV moms at that time. Like, she was like the most respected TV mom, playful, uh, very silly, assertive. And uh, at the time, I don't know, in that 80s uh, wheelhouse, man, she might have been like, she was like America's mom at the time, right? I mean, for that time growing up, I, I can't think of a, a bigger, mel- a more well-known mom uh, than Claire Huxtable. And her husband was pretty famous, too, as we've been watching The Last Dance. Uh, Felicia Rashad, uh, Felicia Ayers Rashad, married to Ahmad Rashad. Uh, yeah, that she was pretty famous, no doubt. And uh, by the way, props to Sophia Varaga or Vergara. You know, Hunter doesn't even, you know, he loves her so much, he doesn't even give the actress his name. Come on, Hunter. Party foul on you. All right, my number three, Florence Henderson. That's Carol Brady from the Brady Bunch. And if she's at number three, I bet you'll be intrigued with my two and one. So, Florence Henderson, 69 to 74, was when the Brady Bunch ran, but then all the repeats and syndication. She was the mom you wish you got to hang out with. Always an encouraging word, the right advice. Plus, she was kind of hot. If you ask Barry Williams, who played Greg on the show, he tried to go out with her. She was the spokesperson for Wesson Cooking Oil from 74 to 96. So 22 years of telling us to use Wesson Cooking Oil when you fry up your chicken. And then post-Brady Bunch, she really, truly could do anything. She was in Weird Al's Amish Paradise. She went on Dancing with the Stars. And whose line is it anyway to do improv with Drew Carey and his crew? She just passed away a couple of years ago. Florence Henderson, my number three, Carol Brady. Whose line is it anyway? Wow, I haven't watched that in forever. It was one of my one of my midnight shows back in the day. But my number three, we might have to throw in a Costanza. Estelle Costanza. I mean, come on. Do I even have to really explain why this is number three? She is absolutely hilarious. And just the fact that it's 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 related to to George himself. Every time he goes into the house, it, I'm cracking up for hours. Estelle it is. By the way, it's also my number three, Estelle Costanza, the stereotypical overbearing, obnoxious sitcom mother. I mean, you can't get any better than her uh, who walks in on her son playing with himself. I mean, how perfect was it when (laughs) she's laying in the hospital bed and George is like, not now, mom. Not now, mom. George, I'm hungry. I mean, just you're just I mean so many perfect moments with her and today obviously when her television husband passed away I found it apropos to not only put her on the list she deserves to be on the list today I loved I loved the role of Estelle Costanza in that show she was hysterical she was such a perfect mother for George I mean she complimented what he did so perfectly Estelle Costanza number three 100%, 100%, yes. You know, I come home, you're treating your body like an amusement park. <laughs> with a, with the National Geographic, no doubt. Uh, all right, my number two is actually a pair because it's Anna Ferris and Allison Janney who play Christy and Bonnie Plunkett on the CBS sitcom Mom. They've been doing it for seven seasons now. If it's a list of TV moms, they have to be on there, both of them. I mean, I already loved Allison Janney from the West Wing, but she's so great at playing Bonnie, a selfish, thinks only about herself kind of character, and to see her evolve from that to a somewhat normal and caring individual has been gold. And Anna Ferris, she did the house bunny, so I mean, I knew she was good looking, but I didn't know she could be funny. And she plays against hot in this show. She's always kind of slovenly and running into problems at work and having no success finding a man. And so, I mean, the show's called Mom. Anna Ferris is great. Alice Janney is great. That's my number two, Anna Ferris, Alice and Janney, and Mom. 
Number two for me, Chris Jenner. Keep it up with the Kardashians. Listen, here's the thing. Oh, millionaires. <laughs> billionaires. I mean, these, these you combine all their money together, they are doing something right. And it's somewhat of a combination pick because all of the kids now, except for Kendall, are parents as well and their mothers. And you just look at how much money they're generating. Hate them or love them. They are making a lot of money. And Kris Jenner started this trend. So top mother for me, keeping up with the Kardashians. I love horrendous reality TV. Chris Jenner is my number two. What do you say, PT? A reality TV mother. Are you going down that road? Not in my list, but she is a legitimate mother. I mean, the list was TV moms. She's on TV and she's a mom. We both said, oh, yeah, when he said it. <laughs> All right, number two. Uh, by the way, you guys can continue to text yours in at 609 403 0973 609-403-0973, your favorite TV moms. Uh, number two for me, uh, I got Elise Keaton from Family Ties, portrayed by Meredith Baxter-Bernie. Uh, she's Steve's wife, the mother of Alex Mallory, uh, which was uh, Jason Bateman's sister uh, in real life. Uh, Jennifer, later on, Andy, successful. She's an architect. And uh, an ex-hippie who lived out in uh, California. And then, of course, Alec P. Keaton. He's the ultimate Republican child growing up with two Democratic parents. Uh, and she played uh, the perfect, like, middle uh, parent in there where the dad was like, the, hey, hey, Alex, uh, you know, the real nice, like, uh, nerdy dad. And then she was, of course, uh, a little bit more uh, strict and stern. She's uh, very determined, kind. Uh, but I love the role that she played with the way Michael J. Fox and the father, kind of their dynamic. And then she was always in the middle. And then Mallory, I always thought she was such an underrated character on that Family Ties. Justine Bateman, absolutely. Good choice there for your number two, MG. Got some real solid. Uh, you, got, you had Joanna Kearns, right? Who, who were your two? Who was the other one you had? Or no. You had, um, that's uh, Elise Keaton was played by, now I'm blanking on the names because I'm trying to think through Meredith them, Baxter Bernie. Classic Meredith Baxter Bernie, and then um, Elise Keaton was played by Meredith Baxter Bernie. Who's, who was the other one? Maggie Seaver. Yeah, but who was she played by? Oh, I don't Joanna know. Joanna Kearns, I think, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to give all these actors and actresses credit. My number one okay is classic tv mom has to be near the top of anyone's list that's uh miss c marion ross mrs cunningham and happy days 11 seasons 74 to 84 mother of richie Joni, and briefly chuck remember when richie had an older brother chuck the only woman that fonzie ever really trusted henry winkler she played mrs cunningham and Joni loves chachi she played mrs c in an episode of family guy too and she got all the funny lines you know i mean Howard said, Marion, do you remember our wedding night? She said, Howard, we've been married 21 years. You can stop apologizing now. <laughs> I mean, she got all the best lines. <laughs> Your father once sent me a five-pound box of candy on Valentine's uh, Day anonymously. He was a devil. He says, I never sent you a five-pound box of candy. You didn't? No. Well, then I must have married the wrong man. <laughs> she got all the great lines. Marion Ross, that's my number one. My number one is... Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights. This is one of my favorite TV series wow. I've ever watched. Yeah, and that's Connie Britton, by the way. And I just think she did a phenomenal yeah. job with Coach Taylor, right? I mean, she was the perfect wife, the perfect mom. 
I thought that that series was so phenomenal. I remember staying up till 5 a.m. My alarm went off at 6 a.m. for my day, and I'd be watching Netflix till 5 a.m. I couldn't stop. I could not put the TV remote down. I grinded out that series within a week. So for me, it had to be Tammy Taylor. I thought she did a phenomenal job. Have you seen that, Gil? I have not. I saw, oh I saw the movie, it. but not the TV show. Two totally different things. Right, and Hunter, have you seen the movie? Yes, of course. So which is better? Because my girlfriend's son and I have debates all the time about which is better. Well, I mean, it's two totally different vibes. But, you know, I personally feel more of a connection with the TV show. But I think the movie is more historic and has more... You know, it, it has more of that. It, it was a, it was an iconic movie. So, you know, both are great, though. I, I would lead more personally to the show. Me too. That's that's where I go. But of course, the movie is more closer to the book. Okay, sorry to jump in there, but we got on a little Friday Night Lights. So I had a good choice. Connie Britton, loved her. Spin City, loved her. Then she was just on the first season of Nine One One on Fox. Love her there. Now I'm surprised. I don't know if I'm surprised about Hunter, but PT. Uh, maybe, eh, I don't know, BT's on his own little uh, world over there. Uh, I got number one, Carmelo Soprano. I mean, who's better than the, the mom oh, nice. wife, right? I mean, she's the wife of Tony Soprano. She had great lines throughout this whole thing, and he never really knew what to make of her. Like, here's this loving mother, this innocent, supportive wife of the most ruthless mob boss potentially in the world, and she's just kind of like, this loving mom, soccer mom, taking her kids to practice. I mean, like, the relationship with her and her children is just a typical mother-daughter relationship. And yet, here she has this husband who's ruthless out there. I thought she played the role just perfectly. They picked Edie Falco as, like, the perfect person to play that role. Uh, she was excellent. And I thought, she, I mean, you talk about great lines throughout the, the time that she was on that show. Uh, she had some tremendous lines, and she was always kind of in the dark, but you didn't know if she was really in the dark, if she was, like, way in the dark. I mean, I don't know. I, I, she, to me, and I even criticized The Sopranos a lot towards the end, thought it went on too long, and that it was, but I always thought that she was a tremendous compliment to Tony Soprano. She's so good, man. She was great. You should watch Nurse Jackie if you're an Edie Falco fan. She's amazing in that show, too, that was on Showtime. Uh, you couldn't be more right. I always felt like she knew more than she let on, you know, including, like, when she took some of the money, Tony's hidden money in the duck food, where he had it hidden, but she always knew. I mean, or and then how she knew where she was flirting with the priest, and she kind of felt the hots for him and thought, wait, I'm, I'm Tony's wife. I can't do this. I'll whack him. You know, all that stuff. I always felt like she knew more than she let on. Oh, yeah, it was always like that little balance of like, you know, what what was she in on? What did she know? Uh, and I mean, I guess she's well aware of his position, but she didn't really talk about it. I, I thought she did such a good job of, of really portraying like what she like the level of what she knew. I don't know. Uh, I, and I think a lot of people out there, uh, there's so many moms out there that uh, for TV moms that we could throw out there. All right, PT, you said you had a list of 15 have at it, Hoss. All right. My honorable mentions are Marge Simpson from The Simpsons, Charlotte Ray, Mrs. Garrett from The Facts of Life, because after all, she was a mom to the whole group of girls. Carolyn Jones, the hottie who played Mrs. Adams from The Adams Family, even in black and white. Deborah Jo Rupp, Kitty Foreman, that 70s show, and Elizabeth Montgomery, Samantha Stevens in Bewitched. Those are moms 
Hunter said the mother-in-law, uh, Doris Roberts, Marie Barone, everybody loves Raymond. Don't forget Agnes Moorhead, who played Endora on Bewitched. For a newer audience or younger audience, Christina Pickles was Judy Geller in Friends. If you're out there and you watch Sex in the City, Francis Sternhagen played Bunny McDougal, Trey McDougal's controlling mother in Sex in the City, or Charlotte's mother-in-law. And then the tough one that everybody forgets, Irene Ryan played Daisy May Moses. Well, she's better known as Granny in the Beverly Hillbillies, but she was Jed's mother-in-law. So there's five mothers and five mothers-in-law for the day after Mother's Day. Not bad, Peter. All right, Hunter? Yeah, I, I did not go that much in depth. I went with Marge Simpson, Claire Huxtable, and, and Lewis Griffin from Family Guy. Those were the, the three on my on my list. So I did go cartoons, just not in the top five. Yeah, by the way, we got a text message here that says, I'm pulling Brody's man card for the Kardashians call. That's from uh, Tom. <laughs> See, very in the very uneducated. If you, do, you, know, you can't just bash it without understanding the greatness behind it. Although, MG, I thought of you, isn't, isn't uh, Jay Cutler divorcing Cavallari or whatever? Did yeah, you but, watch that for a little while? Uh, I did not. That's Ryan. I watched like one or two episodes, but I do not believe they have a child. Okay. Do they? Do they just recently think... have a child? Oh, they're oh. part of the reasons why they're divorced. See, I, I don't think it's fair to criticize this reality TV life until you literally sit down and embrace the beauty behind it. That's should I, all. Should I have, like, Linda Hogan on uh, my list? From, <laughs> what kind sure. of list? From, from Hogan Knows Best. It was Hulk Hogan's <laughs> wife. They're divorced now, though. Uh, from Hogan Knows Best. Uh, uh, Kitty Foreman, the 70s show. Sophia from the Golden Girls, PT. How did you miss... She was maybe, I should have had her on the top five. I totally blanked out on that. And then I added it later. Somebody just texted in. And in fact, when I put the post up on Twitter today, Sophia from the Golden Girls was the gift that I used to promote the segment. She was a tremendous mother of the Golden, like back in those Golden Girls days. She was the most hilarious old lady of all time. I, I got to admit, I didn't watch a lot of Golden Girls, though. I mean, almost none, you know. The amount of wow. Golden Girls episodes I can I can count on one hand that I've ever had to watch. All right. Uh, so, did you watch, did any of you guys watch Bob's Burgers? I know of no, it. I know enough it. to dissect it. Uh, somebody texted in Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers. I know the show. I've never seen an episode. Stephen Elmer, Top TV Moms, Marge Simpson, Lois Griffin, and Peg Bundy uh, also made his lift. Beverly Goldberg yeah. from the Goldbergs. I've heard that show is really funny, but I've never seen it. It's outstanding. I mean, one thing that we love about it is, you know, my father is really good friends with a guy named Earl Ball, and Earl Ball was the headmaster of Penn Charter. And so the school that's, you know, they go to this William Penn Academy, but it's based on Penn Charter in Philadelphia, and there's a character in there, Principal Ball or Earl Ball. So, I mean, you know, any you would like to kill, like, you know, they're at school, and, you know, Barry can't get the attention of somebody because the jock kid is getting all the attention, and it's Ruben Amaro Jr. You know, I mean, you know, they'll reference real-life things like Jenkintown and Wawa and South Street and Zipperhead and, like, all this stuff, old veteran stadium, you know, Flyers games, that uh, Flyers make a big presence in the show. It's all, uh, it's a great show. If you haven't watched the Goldbergs, you should check it out. By the way, I wanted to throw in as an honorable mention the, not, the, the three moms from Big Love. You know, Bill Paxton as Bill Hendrickson. Uh, he is married to, it's a polygamous family, 
and he's married to Barb Hendrickson, Nikki Grant, and Margie Heffman, and uh, they have two kids, Sarah and Ben. And uh, Barb Hendrickson, that's uh, Janine Triplehorn there, PT. Chloe Savigny. Yeah. Chloe Savigny plays Nikki Grant, and Jennifer Goodwin is Marge. Uh, that's his three wives, and each one of them uh, all have a redeeming quality about them. Uh, but the main mom would be Barb. Uh, but collectively, as TV moms, the three of them would make my list as a little outside the box there. The polygamous family of the Hendricksons. Triple Horn was such a big hit. You know, she was in everything. She was in Basic Instinct, Chloe Savigny, and a bunch of stuff. Jennifer Goodwin's been on, like, fantasy shows on ABC and stuff lately. But, yeah, there's a there's a good triumvirate right there of uh, three big, solid female actresses. All right, that is today's MGPT Top 5 at 5. Thanks for everybody who texted in. Had a little fun with that. Got some more coming in. 609 403 0973. We'll do it again tomorrow for the MGPT Top 5 at 5. Peter, have a good one. Michael. All right. I enjoyed that one today. That was good. Now, you got your man card taken away. That's 24 hours. No, I, I, I disagree. Why? Because he says that. Does it automatically mean that it's taken away? Well, because you prefaced it ahead of time by saying that you were going to get ripped for it, and then you did get ripped for it. So you knew the ramifications of it. Well, I think people just, their perception is so off when it comes to the type of television that I watch outside of sports that I know I'm going to get ripped, but I don't think that the ripping is valid. People are just uneducated about the greatness of this horrendous reality TV that I watch. Like, I know it's horrendous. It's so bad, it's funny. Yeah, no, like, um, maybe I should have had The Miz's wife as uh, one of the best TV moms. I mean, I'm just looking at their success, right? I mean, Chris Jenner, whether you hate or love or whatever, the success story is what I'm talking about here. Don't tell me they didn't do anything, you know? Sure thing. Kim Kardashian did something, and that something sure was seen by a lot of people, which generated a ton of money. Hey, when we come back, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, staying or going? We have the latest on that on the other side of the Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the free mobile app. At tomorrow on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Don't forget, full episodes of the Sports Bash are now available through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can get those right now. You can listen to Friday's show. You can listen to last Tuesday's show. All your favorite segments, they're all commercial free. You can check them out. Rate, review, subscribe, get the podcast, download them, rate, review, five-star, baby. We'll do that here on the Sports Bash after today. This show will be up. You can get it in its entirety. Drive to work in the morning. Take us everywhere you go. Get the Sports Bash all four hours commercial-free. Apple Podcasts, Google. Now, I'm a Google Podcast guy, right? And I tried again with the Apple, and I tried to play it the other day, and again, it stopped and like paused and glitched on me. I had to switch back over to Google. I never have a problem with that Google podcast. I think that's because you don't have the iOS phone. So because you have the Google phone, they probably strategically make it that way so you stick with your Google podcast.
I don't know why. I like the interface look of the Google Podcast way better, too. It's, like, such a nicer-looking, like, screen and, like, just the just the whole interface is better. Now, I, I would have to absolutely disagree. I mean, you know, as I'm showing you here, as we're, you know, on on webcam here, look at this beautiful Apple Podcast look we got going. I see it. Yeah, I like the Google one better. I've seen that one. <laughs> that's, that's, well, you know, there's a lot of things that's flawed in your brain. That's kind of what I was saying. <laughs> I've seen that. I like the Google look better. I actually like the Stitcher look better as well. And then the I think the Apple is is the of the three is the worst. But I'm not an Apple guy. No, see, I mean, yeah, yeah. See, clearly, I think we need to move on because you're hurting my brain because it's clear that Apple products own the world. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's get to these comments from uh, Adam Kaplan regarding Alshon Jeffrey. There's been so much talk about Alshon Jeffrey and whether or not they can get rid of him, whether or not how we can figure out a way to move on. Here's what Adam Kaplan recently said on the latest edition of Inside the Birds. Like Zach Ertz is restructured three times. Some players are restructured four times. Got them all right. But the one they missed on is Jeffrey. And as we go over that one, (laughs) that one is so bad. It's not just the proration if they cut him. It's not the dead money, which is just under $26 million. I forgot that. I didn't forget, but I, I didn't realize that um, th- it's the fully guaranteed money that, that, that they're going to owe him, which is subject to offset if they cut. They're not going to cut him, I'm right. told. They're, they've no, they're not going to do that. They would either trade him by a Festivus miracle. That's not going to happen. Who the hell would take that contract? So he basically said they're not cutting Alshon Jeffrey. So all the people who think – that Howie's trying to figure out a way to move that contract or move that. You just said they're not going to trade him. They would take a Festivus miracle, RIP Frank Costanza. Uh, so they're going – I guess Eagles fans need to move forward with the notion that Alshon Jeffrey will be a Eagle in 2020. I would have to agree with that. Now, there was one thing that went on during that podcast. So Mosher mentioned, or at least questioned, or brought up the idea – what if after the pup list thing goes down and he's able to come back because he's obviously going to start the season on that, so he's not going to be able to play for a significant amount of time. What if there's another team who's going through a ton of injury problems and here comes a healthy Alshon Jeffrey? Will another team pick up the phone and say, Howie, I'm interested in Alshon Jeffrey once he's able to come back? Now, we had um, Adam Kaplan say, listen, most if he give you a hundred dollars to put towards your charity of your choice so he seems pretty confident that that will not happen because teams will not go out and make a trade for Alshon for that type of cap hit I would definitely agree with that I know all these people say hey try to trade him go for uh like a Leonard Fournette they want to get rid of him uh the problem is all the cap money Fournette's done after this year uh, and you could essentially get rid of Alshon after this year, but you still have money in the following year that you have to deal with. The, the Eagles are in a really tough spot in that they are over $50 million over the cap next year. Their cap situation right now is manageable, but they're going to have to start finding guys in the future that they're going to have to start lopping off this uh, payroll here, and he's not one of them. That's the problem. He can't be one of them because of the dead money that he brings to the table. So they are kind of crippled. As he said, they've restructured contracts before, some three times, some four times. 
But this one here is one that really bit them in the ass. And here we are in mid-May, early to mid-May, and it looks pretty evident that they're not going to find a way to get rid of Alshon Jeffrey. So I'll ask this question then. Can, can that turn out to be a good thing? Like, are we writing Alshon Jeffrey off because we view him as the guy who ripped Wentz? We view him as the guy who maybe isn't the same player anymore. Could he just have been hurt last year? Could he just have a bad perception of what the media was reporting and we think that was him? Or could he come back and be a valuable member of this team? He was a pretty big part of the team that won a Super Bowl. I think he can be a big help to this squad. And the thing is, you'd be talking about him coming back later in the season with a little bit, I'm I'm not going to say healthy because he's rehabbing a big-time injury. So it's not like he's going to come back and just automatically be this player for the football team that straight-up dominates. But who knows what the injury spot is at that point in terms of everybody else. Is Deshaun healthy? Like Maybe there's a spot for him to come in and be a refreshing piece. But I'll give you credit when... When we would go back and forth about Hurts, the one thing that you mentioned is the amount of weapons on offense that this team has. And you have Deshaun, Ertz, Goddard, Sanders, Jajal, Greg Ward, Rager. You know, he could be a big help, and it, that doesn't necessarily mean he needs nine catches a game. Because there's so many weapons, you know, even if he got five receptions for 55 yards, like that could be enough that that's a big help to this team. Here's something interesting I like to throw in the mix. Now, Andrew DeCecco was on with us earlier. You're going to hear more from Andrew on the radio. You're already reading the stuff at 97.3 ESPN.com. Uh, he's a, a very insightful guy. He said something that I had raised my eyebrows, which was about J.J. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and he mentioned that as the season went on later in the year that he seemed to be getting his bearings a little bit more. Now, maybe he meant that he was understanding the offense more because he certainly wasn't a part of the offense. Let's let's throw that out there, right? But he said he thinks that J-Jaw will be, have a, take a big jump this year. He thinks that he will be a guy that will take a big step forward this year is what Andrew said, which I don't disagree with him. I think J.J. Ortega-Whiteside might have a bigger role in the offense and he might be a more productive guy this year. But let's just say he's really having a good role. Let's say he's got a role and it's really good. And it's him and it's Deshaun Jackson, it's Jalen Rager, it's Greg Ward. If and when Alshon's ready to return, do you bump J.J. out if he's productive? Wow. Um, that is a really good question. I Would it be possible to, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking bump Greg Ward, but that's a different spot on the field. I it, it would really have to. I would have to see how it is playing out. Uh, if it was that dominant, I, listen. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's a really good question. To the point where I, I have so many ideas just running through my <laughs> head right now. I can't even process. I everything. smell a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. Would it even be an option to have someone like Alshon Jeffrey making that much money, who is a big name in terms of receivers like he's not a he's a name that is very recognizable is it possible to just have him on the bench and not playing with that type of cap hit I can't even see that being an option I feel as if the staff would force him back on the field to be relevant so I think they would maybe cut back on J.J. Ortega Whiteside to put Alshon in uh, well here's the thing I, I agree with what you're saying about Alshon but the problem is if you have a guy who's meshing with Wentz he's being productive and you're Let's say Alshon is out for the first six, seven, eight weeks with that. I mean, remember, he's coming back from a pretty serious Liz Franck injury. Do you want to mess up that continuity that maybe J.J. 
would have had halfway through the season to reinsert Alshon Jeffrey into that role. And then essentially, now you got a second-year guy. Meanwhile, Alshon, you're probably trying to get out the door at the end of this year. Are you willing to sacrifice the confidence of your second-year guy who's playing well all of a sudden to reinsert Alshon Jeffrey into your offense? I think you do. I, I think you do find a way to put Alshon Jeffrey in. Because Alshon Jeffrey, there's no definitive yes that he is the player that he was a couple of years ago. I mean, you know, he, was, he wasn't the same guy last year, that's for sure. No, he wasn't the same guy last year, but he is still a reliable receiver that can still do some things that you don't have on this roster. Now, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, in this circumstance, is he providing the same style that Alshon can provide and probably in that direction based off of what his skill set is, or at least that's what we are told it is. So, you know, but you would have to try and implement Alshon. I'm going to flip this around to say last year, right? So Greg Ward came out of the practice squad and he was a very effective slot receiver. If they were able to get a different receiver back that was injured last year, would they implement him? If Alshon Jeffrey was able, you know, if, if these players who were hurt last year, if they were able to come back, would they have taken Greg Ward's minutes? Because that's similar to the scenario you're laying out now. Uh, problem is, Greg Ward, I think, is a slot guy. I don't think that you're going to, if J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is playing Alshon's role, he's going to be on the outside. Are you then going to ask him to now move into the slot and take Ward out if Ward's productive as well and been a good slot player? Now you're going to say, hey, we want you to learn a different position. That was part of the problems he was having last year. He was having trouble learning all the different positions. They didn't cross-train him, remember? Well, I don't know if that is a J.J. Ortega-Whiteside problem, though. Like, if you can't pick up on that at this level, does that mean your IQ of football is not high enough to play at this level? Not necessarily, but, I mean, information overload for anybody could come into play here. I mean, the kid went to Stanford. i got to imagine he's a pretty intelligent guy. And that's why it concerns me that he's not able to pick up on this. I can't imagine, although I am on the record saying I don't know if Doug Peterson is the smartest person in the world, but I can't imagine him just throwing so much information that he doesn't throw on every wide receiver. I don't see him throwing on more information on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside than any other wide receiver coming in as a rookie. So for him to not be able to handle any of this, it's a little crazy to me. Oh, I think last year was a lot. I mean, you know, first it was he couldn't handle it. Now we're hearing about that he had some injuries, some lower body stuff. I mean, who knows what was going on? And I think that's why people should at least give him another chance. Don't don't close the book on J.J. Look, we're all yelling about the Eagles didn't take a guy in the second round. Those same people who want to yell that they didn't take a guy in the second round this year, you can't then close the book on the guy you drafted in the second round last year. Right. You always do bring that up, and and I will always counter by saying this. It's not a, essentially who they picked in the second round. It's what is available in the second round. So because they missed, that's on them. But that doesn't take away what you can get in that second round. Well, and you can get J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Don't close the book that he can be somebody that can actually play. Don't write him off based on one year's worth of tape. And and I can agree with that. I've overreacted on J. Jaw. To me, he doesn't have that it factor, but... 
the more and more as the days go by, I'm, I'm willing to give him this season. But if he has a very similar year this year than last year when he's running into his own teammates running routes and all, that's going to be a big problem. Uh, Sports Bash Live. We've got the five on the other side. I'm going to put another Sports Bash Hall of Famer in. I got a really good one today. All right. I got a good one today that we're putting into the Hall of Fame. And five questions coming up next to wrap up the show. It's Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. You ready for competition? It's time for five questions. Three game and just man out of five. Number five will always All right, time to get into the five questions. But before we do, I got another Sports Bash Hall of Famer. We're down to the final five. And today's going to be interesting because I'm putting someone in that most people would kind of say, I'm not sure he belongs, but I think he belongs. And here's why. He's an NBA champion. He's the finals MVP, 14-time All-Star. He also goes down as one of the great executives in the game. And an eight-time NBA champion as an executive, a two-time executive of the year. And oh, by the way, he is the logo. Jerry West goes into the Sports Bash Sports Hall of Fame. What player from their sport is actually the sports logo? He's got a great story to tell for a Hall of Fame as a player, an executive, and the logo. Not to mention, he went to WVU. That's Jerry West. He is in the Sports Bash Sports Hall of Fame member number 20. You're so biased. You don't think he deserves to be in there? He's the logo. Not sure, but I mean, you had to throw in West Virginia. If he went to, I don't know, maybe a big rival, I don't know if you'd be feeling the same way about it. That's all. Uh, Mr. Clutch, Zeke from Cabin Creek, Mr. Outside, the logo. He's got more nicknames than anybody can come up with for somebody. Come on, man. Ah, sure. All right, number one. Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson in this golf charity match. One, are you watching? And two, who do you think would win? When is it? It is coming up on May 24th. So it's a couple weeks now. Uh, Yes. I'll probably tune in. I don't know that I'm all that, like, into it, into it, but... I saw they were doing a little trash talking the other night on like a conference call to start promoting this thing. I think uh, Peyton Manning was giving Tom Brady the business. Ooh, wow! So is that your? Would you go with Woods and Manning? So what are the teams? It's Wood. It's Woods and Manning against Phil and Brady. Yes, and and Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning are favored. See, I don't know the golf games of Manning and Brady at all. <laughs> Me, me neither. Here's your tip. Go to ESPN Plus and watch the Peyton's places where it's him and Tom Brady. Half of the thing is them playing golf and talking and trash-talking other players. That's your pregame right. for this thing. All right, Gil. You got some homework. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Okay. It's like 28 minutes. I don't know that I'm going to watch this golf event. I might tune in just to see the presentation of it. And I'm more interested in, like, the presentation of it and how it comes off than I am actually the golf event. No, that's that's fair. That's definitely fair. All right, so for number two, it's a scenario, but I want to hear your, your thoughts on this. You are guaranteed a Flyer Stanley Cup. Or the Eagles are in the Super Bowl, down four, with 30 seconds to go, and they are on the opponent's 15-yard line. 
You don't know if they're going to win. You don't know if they're going to lose. They could win the Super Bowl, or you could end up with zero championships. But you are guaranteed a Flyer Stanley Cup as the alternative. Where are you going? All right, so lay this out for me again. Okay. Down four. 30 seconds to go, and you're on the opponent's 15-yard line. Okay. You can win the Super Bowl. You cannot win the Super Bowl. You don't know how this is going to play out. Or you are guaranteed a Flyer-Stanley Cup. So you're guaranteed yep. a championship. Yep. Or you have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Yep. Where are you going? Uh, I'm taking the Stanley Cup. I mean, come on. I just saw a Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and uh, I'm getting a Stanley Cup. I haven't had one of those in my lifetime. I mean, I was born in 77. The Flyers last one in 75. I have never seen a Stanley Cup. I'll take the Stanley Cup. Look, I would agree with you, people, but I don't think most would. These people who like talk about how many Super Bowls their team won, like the Cowboy fan, it, my life has not changed because the Eagles won a Super Bowl. I don't feel different today. In fact, 2020 sucks so far. So the Eagles winning that Super Bowl hasn't changed that this pandemic stinks. So guess what? Just a chance of winning the Super Bowl versus definitively winning a cup, I will take the cup. Okay, and I would I don't have to agree with I don't need to be the uh, underwear-sniffing Cowboys fan who says, Oh, boy, the Cowboys won five Super Bowls. I could care less. They were all back when nobody remembers. There's people who grow up like you that don't remember the Cowboys winning Skidaddle. Well, there's nothing wrong with sniffing underpants. But anyway, <laughs> number three. Not if, they, you... not if a football player wore them in the game. <laughs> number three. Do you like the fact that college athletes will now be being paid or now get paid by their likeness. I uh, don't care. Don't really that that whole story I just don't care. Like for for years and years and years and years and years this has gone on. If they want to fight and fight and fight for it, I don't think that they should. I've always said, I think the college players when I was in college I got paid a stipend to work at the radio station. There's no reason why they couldn't have come up with a stipend situation for these kids giving them 500 bucks. When I got that check, I worked at the campus radio station for $175 every two weeks. It was the greatest day of the whole semester when I would get those checks every two weeks for 175 bucks. There's no way, reason why these football players and basketball players and baseball players couldn't be given a $500 stipend every two weeks. So that whole thing about them getting the likeness and everything, I understand it, but like they're... You know, I mean, they're it's an amateur status. That's what it is. I mean, that's just I, I hate people who think like the whole NBA thing about leaving right from high school that oh you're denying these people a chance to work. No, you're not denying them a chance to work. You're saying the prerequisite to work my job, you haven't met them yet. That will change, by the way. It's funny you brought that up. I was gonna slide more into the would what do you think about the whole G League thing? A lot of players are going G League over NCAA now because of yep. making that $500,000. But we can save that for another day. Number four, right now I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think the MLB starts on July 4th? Will we have opening day, July 4th? Uh, I tend to say no. I tend to say no, and I think we're going to, unfortunately, I mean, we're up over 80,000 deaths today. And everybody's opening up, and everybody thinks it's time to reopen, which uh, we have to work. I get it. But unfortunately, I think we're going to probably, because we're all hurrying to get back to normalcy, I think you will see baseball probably have to pump the brakes on this idea. That's sad. I do not like that that's your answer, but I tend to agree with you. Badly. All right. Uh, by the way, 
We're back tomorrow with uh, news on baseball possibly returning. I hope I'm wrong about it. I hope we'll go back to normal and things just miraculously dissipate and we can go back to watching baseball games sometime soon. Frank Close on tomorrow's show. We'll have more details.